Welcome to Off the Post, Boston Sports, episode number five. I would like to come on here and be excited to talk about some things that are going well and talk about some things that are going bad, but right now, Carter, I don't know if there's much excitement in Boston sports right now. Anything that's going on in Boston right now is, is all, it's all nerves, I think, um, especially for the Patriots and the way that they looked against Miami. Yep. Um, and going into a game against the team in Tennessee with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill and the way they're playing right now. Who's rolling. <laughs> and the Patriots, it doesn't look like they can defend the deep play, and that's all that Ryan Tannehill has right now. He has the deep play, and one thing we've struggled with, minus the last game, the one thing we've struggled with consistently is stopping the run, and now you have a big 200-pound back with thighs the size of a buffalo that can just pound the ball at the middle, and when he gets into open field, can't be caught. So you're going against two a deep threat and then a run game, and two those are two aspects of the game you haven't been able to stop in the first place. My only issue with, with that is is the – the Patriots have actually, when 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 you when they've come up against a team that that has that powerful runner like Derrick Henry or, or or a Saquon Barkley or a Nick Chubb, they've done a pretty good job of stuffing that hole and really stunting these power runners into forcing them to to run outside, and that's not where their strong suit is. Absolutely, the only concerning part I have at that though, if you go ahead and pack pack the box like you need to to be able to stop that which like you said you can stunt those gaps but if you stack the box that opens up your biggest concern that you just stated you're gonna have to worry about the deep threat and that deep ball that Tannehill can throw that for whatever reason Gilmore was just invisible last week against the Dolphins and it killed us each and every time which I'll call it guys live on here Carter last week said that Fitzmagic was an elite quarterback I questioned it, (laughs) I denied it, and I have to sit here on record by saying I was 100% wrong and Fitzmagic was elite, and Carter, you were 100% right on that. I stand by what I said. I will and always have been a fan of Ryan Fitzmagic, and I I will always be. Well, I was definitely not a a fan of him on Sunday. Um, I will say this on the flip side, and for those of you that may not necessarily be full-blown Boston sports fans – It's going to sound like a Homer statement here, but you turn on Fox Sports 1 today and there's a countdown clock on Fox Sports 1 on five days, X amount of hours that the Patriots dynasty will end. You have so many doubters right now. It's unbelievable, including a lot of the New England fan base, which pisses me off more than anything that you've gotten this far with this quarterback so many years into it. And you have your own fans jumping off the ship already. Well, guess what, guys? A lot of people did that last year when the Chargers were coming in town, saying that Phillip Rivers and them were going to throw on us and crush us. Don't be surprised if we put it to Tennessee's ass on Saturday and give Kansas City a game out in Kansas City. What do you feel about that, Carter? I think the Patriots have the ability to step up against Tennessee. I do. I don't know about the ability to go on the road. Um, without Rob Gronkowski, um, because that's pretty much what the Patriots lived off of last year in Kansas City. You have you have a Julian Edelman who's also probably running at like 40, 50% right now. Yep. And uh, a Mohamed Sanu who's still sort of struggling to find the confidence in running these routes. And 
I think, you know, McDaniels wants to start using Nikhil Harry more because he's proven to be more and more reliable. But I don't know. I think the Patriots definitely, I think if they play the way they did against Buffalo, it's going to be a similar game. But I don't see that consistency. I don't, I don't see the Patriots get I honestly don't see the Patriots getting to the Super Bowl. I want them to as a fan, but so, I, don't, I don't see it happening. And, and I can't blame a network like Fox for, for, for putting up that, that dynasty countdown. So as, as, as someone myself, I hate dynasties. I don't like it when, you know, when, it, when a team just destroys everyone else and, and it's, it's them in the championship every year, I find myself hating teams like, like Alabama. People, t- people hate Alabama because they don't like Nick Saban. I didn't like Alabama just because it was too easy to, to root for them. So, so I, I, I don't blame anyone and everyone for wanting a dynasty to end. So I want to ask all of you guys that aren't here live and comment if you uh, listen to the recorded uh, aspect of this, but what do you consider the stoppage of a dynasty? So if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, does that mean the dynasty's over? They didn't win the Super Bowl against the Eagles and nobody called the dynasty over. And then we come back and win a Super Bowl the following year. To me, as long as a team is consistently making the playoffs, winning a division and being a threat to the entire NFL, you're still considered a dynasty. Now, if you go three to five years without either making a playoff or winning one playoff game, then I don't consider you a dynasty. But if you make it back to the AFC championship and lose, Carter, does that mean the dynasty is completely over? I no, don't I, think so. I wouldn't so. say that at all, no. So that's where I get so confused. If you turn on social media, you turn on Fox Sports 1, ESPN, Undisputed, Shannon Sharp, Stephen A., Skip Bayless, all of those guys. They're like, the dynasty's coming to an end. What is the end of a di- dynasty look like? I think for them, it's talk, It's it's surrounding the question mark of, of the future of Tom Brady. I don't think anyone's really sure if he's going to stay. I don't think anyone's really sure if he's going to leave or if he's just going to call it quits um, and, you know, abandon his road to playing till he's 45. So I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't to me seem like Tom Brady is still happy in New England. I think he wants a contract or he wants to, to go somewhere who will give him a contract. And I don't think he's too particular about where that is anymore. Brett made the comment. He said, dynasty is three wins in four years. no, I could see that being considered the think, dynasty. Yeah, it's not not a dynasty. I don't think that's no. the definition of a dynasty. And, and Brett, I'm I'm with you, but but my question on this whole scenario and Carter basically answered it was, what do you consider the end of a dynasty? I mean, to me, the end of a dynasty is Brady Brady leaves and Bill leaves, and it's rebuild. But again, until the following year and what happens that next year, you really don't know if it's over. I mean, we could have we could have three or four guys, elite guys, leave the team, including Brady, and may, and win the division next year. Does that mean the dynasty's over just because Brady's not a part of it anymore? I don't think so. I just think that that Brady and Belichick and and the Crafts are the dynasty. I think once once Robert Kraft hands that off to his son, and and we'll see how his son does because that's inevitable. We'll see if you know he can carry on that tradition. So. I don't know if, you know, if the Patriots don't have a winning season next year, which is, is, is probable the rest of the AFC is catching up. If Brady retires, if Brady leaves, I think that's when Belichick leaves. And I think that's when you see McDaniels uh, find a head coaching job and, and Ivan fears the running backs coach retire. Yep. 
I completely agree. And even Jason said on here, he says, I don't think they have to continue to mix in a Super Bowl win. Agree about playoff and division, but we do have to still win here, win them here and there, which I agree, which again, I was telling Carter when we spoke earlier today that I absolutely see as a homer side, I see us beating Tennessee. I think we can win in Kansas City uh, based off of how I saw us play and get screwed out of two touchdowns at home. But nobody's talking about what if Tennessee or what if the Texans or Buffalo slip up and beat Lamar Jackson? I mean, you got J.J. Watt back now on the end. What if Tennessee or uh, the Texans play against them? Do you think they even have a chance? That's a tough call because it is it is a scenario where now, and I think in this this has crossed the entire in the NFL, not just the AFC. There, it is almost where, with maybe with the exception of Baltimore or San Francisco, anybody can really beat anybody. Correct. Um, I think Baltimore and 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 San Francisco right now are the only two exceptions where I'm not confident in saying that. Agreed. But. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the first round plays out with or without New England in the next round. I'll tell you where I was disappointed Sunday, and I I was beyond furious about the entire game. Um, The pick was bad by Brady. I get get that. But I want to dive more into coaching. Bill Belichick can stop the clock and get the ball back with a minute and 49 seconds before halftime and chooses not to use a timeout. Well, when he is on WEEI the day before yesterday, or actually yesterday, he made the comment. They asked him about that. He said, why didn't you go ahead and use a timeout? And he said, well, if we would have made a play or two, we would have. He ducked the question completely because he had the option to call the timeout before they even had the chance. Not to do that. that. That's not the normal Bill Belichick. That shows me the lack of confidence that he has in the offense and moving the ball downfield or the concern he has in New England turning the football over. Yeah, it, it 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 shows me that, you know, he wasn't confident in Brady, um, especially in that first half. You know, he's you know, I've seen everything I need to see. I don't need to I don't need to try and bust down the field with with enough time. Um, we're just gonna, you know, I've seen what I need to see was we're just gonna go into the locker room, reset, see if we can fix this. Um it doesn't it I, I don't have a lot of, of answers. I've heard all about it all on the radio, all in, all over the you know the major networks, and I'm just it's it just seems to me like that was Belichick just you know saying you know what we got another half of football and it, the only reason this this bothers me is because we needed we being the Patriots um, this buy you know for for Edelman to heal up and everyone's saying that his injury's worse than it says and. And I don't think Brady's playing at 100%, whether it be his elbow or He's not. Body. He's absolutely not. And I agree with you. This buy was huge for one guy specifically, and that's Edelman. Edelman's so banged up right now, it's unbelievable. And he's playing well and making it look like he's not as affected by an injury or hurt as he is right now. But that man's hurting bad. And you're still getting other receivers like Sanu, Dorsett. These other guys are dropping balls. You got Jacoby Myers jumping off sides. I, there, there's a lot of concern in that offense. But I want to ask you this before we carry over to the Bruins here in a second. If you were to take Brady off of this football team 
and add somebody like Patrick Mahomes and basically do a swap, put Brady with the weapons on Kansas City and put Mahomes with the weapons that are on New England. Do you think any other quarterback in the league right now could make that much more of a difference to where the blame is on Tom Brady for the way this offense is performing? Or do you believe that it's more of the weapons aren't there, people aren't healthy, there's no O-line, and we have the second most drops in the NFL? My only – I'll say I'll say this. I don't like to play that hypothetical game just okay. because that's what it is. It's hypothetical. Um, what I will say is with a battle line and a non-mobile quarterback in comparison to a battle line and a mobile quarterback like Mahomes or, or Lamar Jackson or a Russell Wilson, they can turn nothing into something where Brady is just scrambling and just going to throw it out of bounds instead of trying to get an extra yard or two. So, so let, me, let me ask you this then. Point blank question for you, right on the spot. Is Tom Brady the reason? Because our defense is great, so take the defense out of it. Is Tom Brady the reason that this team does not have a bye right now? If you're just gonna boil, if I'm just gonna boil it down to, to the Miami game, yeah. Um, if I'm gonna boil it down to the season as a whole, it 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 depends. It depends on the game because you can't pin. There's there's games where he played lights out like Buffalo. And and in their first week against Miami, the the first game against Miami, I should say that was week two. Yep. Um, and then there's games like this past game against Miami, and it's just where, where, where was where was he? You know. So that that's where I want to throw the t- throw something at the TV guys. On and uh, Kevin said it on here. For what I see, if the ball's catchable, then the drop is on the receiver. I agree with that. Being a receiver in the past, anything that touches your hands, you're supposed to catch. But I will say I want to put Miami on our defense solely because Brady drove the team down while losing to score with three minutes and 30 seconds left. And all our number one defense in the league stat stat wise had to do was make one stop against Fitzmagic and they couldn't get the job done. So I take a game like Miami and I have to put that on the defense only because of the way it ended. That's fair. I just, I don't like, I'm going to put a lot of it on, on Belichick as well. Agreed. Absolutely. He's making decisions that I've never seen before. It's almost like somebody sucked the bill brain right out of him, and he's not the same coach that he's been. And I'm not saying he's lost it, guys. I'm not saying no. that Bill's got to go. Uh, things happen, and I get it. What but do you he- think? What do you think about Bill Belichick not doing well against his former players and, and former assistants. I think, I think that's hard because it, it's so hard to pin that on bill himself solely because these guys have bills playbook in the back of his hand. Now, granted, I know bill's got 90 playbooks and he, he's, he's famous for making adjustments, but when you're going up against an assistant coach, now the, the bill O'Brien has had one good game against us in all the years since he's been gone, but, You've got then you've got a guy that was an assistant coach for over ten years for New England. He knows everything that Bill's going to be pulling out. So I I, I want to say it's up to Bill to make the game change and the game plan change and move things around to where those guys don't see it coming. But at the same time, I feel that there's only so much you can do and you can change in a game plan to still be comfortable in your own offense and defense. That's fair. What are your thoughts? I, I think you need to go into a game against 
a former assistant or a former player like Vrabel, where they're where they're gonna know this is what he might do if we do this. This is what this is what he's probably gonna do if if we go up by three or if we go down by five or something like that or wherever wherever the score may be or whatever the scenario may be. And Belichick needs to think, all right. So they know that you know they they know my tendencies, but you know what's what's what what haven't I done well? They were with me. What haven't I done well? They were a player with me for ten years, and then on my on my coaching staff for another two or three. So it's it's I think it's just about no, it's it's less about doing what they haven't seen and 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 knowing what their weaknesses were when they were with you as a as a player or as a coach. I absolutely agree, and I want to touch on two comments real quick, and then we'll jump over to the Bruins for the final 15 here. And I know we want to touch some soccer and basketball as well. Kevin Brady said the Antonio Brown debacle really screwed them. I don't think it helped, and I definitely think it put a damper on us and all the media where every time Antonio Brown posted something, Tom Brady would like it, Julian Edelman would like it. That's got to be frustrating from a coaching standpoint when I I think – I think Kraft had more to do with it than anything solely because of the incident at the spa with Kraft. And then all of a sudden you have a domestic violence case. If you keep him on the team and you keep him playing and something happens later, then it's a really bad look on Kraft at that point. And then Kevin uh, Brett said, Miami played the whole game with a short pass like the Patriots always do. Brett, I said that during the game. They were dinking and dunking the entire game to get third and short, third and short second and short and that really helped them but I don't know I'm confident uh Tennessee is not a team to take lightly I'm just confident the way I mean you got players in the locker room already calling it revenge tour all over again so I'm very confident that we can pull off a win against Tennessee and then we'll see what happens after that it's, it's a coin toss um but after coming off of that type of loss here we are sitting on Tuesday evening a one o'clock Bruins game going up against the second worst team in the NHL that's already mailed it in by trading their best player and you lose in a shootout. Why, Carter, why can we not step up and play good hockey, fundamental hockey, and have urgency against such bad hockey teams? Where's, where's the issue at? I think it's just another trap game. It's hard to get motivated to play against a team that you know doesn't belong on the ice with you. So it's it's one of those things where it's 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 the motivation's got to be there. The leadership's got to step up and say we got to play the same way as if we're playing the Washington Capitals right now. So I can't, I don't see. It's it's like it's it's a slow transition. It's it's waiting for that sand to drip to the bottom of the hourglass. And it's 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 nothing obvious for me. I can't pinpoint you know a specific play. Like you can just see in the you know halfway through the second period that the the. The, the pace is starting to, to slow down for the Bruins. The sharpness is going is getting a little bit more dull. And it's the focus is starting to, to drift. So I can't pinpoint it to, to something that's obvious for me. So I 100% agree with you with a trap game like that. And, guys, th- this is the thing that's concerned me this whole year about the Bruins and why I feel that the amount of points they have right now is almost skewed, almost as if it's false. Whether it's a great team or a bad team, for whatever reason, we have the sloppy seconds is what I'm going to call it. The sloppy seconds. They suck. Every game, for whatever reason, we collapse in the second period. So games that we have a, a decent first, but we're losing, then we're even further behind in the second and we're playing catch up in the third. And I feel like we've done that all season, minus a game or two when we're up four to nothing or something like that. 
But for whatever reason, this team goes into the locker room at the end of the first and everything changes. And I don't know if that's more on a coaching aspect or that if, if it's more on the veterans making sure they step up and do what they need to do. I don't know where that gap is. And like Carter said, I, I can't put a finger on it. I, I can't. Um, Kevin says he really thinks that Cassidy is experimenting with the lines to find out uh, what and if chemistry can be found or created. How do you feel about that? I don't really feel anything about it. I don't think Cassidy's really mixing up too much. I think, you know, you you, you look at the fact that Krug is on IR, McAvoy's on IR, Krejci's uh, banged up, Clifton is, is just missing a game or two. And I think I don't even blame it on, on those injuries. I think the guys that, that came up, like you got you got Backus in your back pocket, Lozon played well. Uh, Parlin Holm is doing fine. Brett Ritchie isn't 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 a bad hockey player. Um, Today's loss. If I hear one person use the excuse injuries, you're dead wrong. You're a hundred and ten percent dead wrong if you want to use the word injury reason for the loss of this hockey game. Um, the only thing I didn't like with the lines going into it, and I tried not to read too much into it. I didn't like Lindholm on the second line with Bacchus and uh, Bjork or uh, DeBrusque. I would have rather seen Coyle go from the third line onto the second with DeBrusque and Bacchus. The only reason I liked the fact that they stuck Coyle where he was and they kept him where he was is just because that line has chemistry. They've, they've played together. They've worked together. They've trained together. And I think – it's the little things. Like, if you take Coil out of that line, how much does that really mess with the connection a little bit on that third line? So, I don't hate moving Lindholm up to the second line. I think it gets Lindholm a little bit more of experience working with a faster, more efficient line, something like that, and then moving and then keeping Coil where he's at. So, that's why I don't hate that, that decision. Do you think it's harder to play a team that you're level with? Let, let's just do an example here. So, you're, you're playing the Capitals and we play a great game against them. Do you think it's harder to play a team that has nothing to lose rather than a team that's playing well? Absolutely, because you know that that they're going to go out, they're going to try and they're going to try and hurt you a little bit. They're going to play a little bit dirty. They're going to hit you a little bit late. Um, it, it doesn't mean anything to them, and it's hard to get motivated against a team that isn't playing for anything. Speaking of that, um, I wanted to bring it up. You had mentioned it, and I want you to speak on it. Um, Jack Edwards made a statement when they were reviewing the offsides. And I want, for those of you that are listening live right now, I want, I want y'all's thoughts as well. Uh, go ahead and speak to it. It was an offsides call. And uh, Jack Edwards had some pretty interesting comments about that. It was, yeah, it was on Corrales' goal. It was the second goal. Um, they were checking it for offsides. And Jack Edwards made a comment that it's, they're ch- if you're check the offsides rule and the replay is put in for, for egregious offsides. The replay is to check for an egregious call that they missed that should be offsides. And he said that it should only be reviewed in real time. Like you can't, you know, you shouldn't slow it down to slow motion because if it's egregious, you would see it in real time. And that if you, you know, if you move the replay to slow motion, it takes away the human element of the game. If, 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 if he's, if his, if his back skate is over the line by, if you could sled a credit card underneath it, that's not, human that's that's the human error it's not yeah to the letter of the law yeah sure that's offsides but if if, if you can't see it in real time then it's not an egregious offside and, and you know you don't take away the goal so if you're gonna if you're gonna speak to that my only argument with that is if you're taking away the human element to call it right or wrong 
what's the point in having replay anyways? Because that is a human element that is, or is not a human element that you're going to. You're going to a recorded video. If, if they're offsides, whether it's by a credit card, slow-mo, fast-mo, if they're offsides, they're offsides, regardless of how you look at it, even though you're stating that you would take the human element out of that. Yeah, so the letter of the law, you're right. It is. It would be an offsides call. I just think if you, you know, if you, if there's a player screening your view, and obviously across the across the ice, it was an offsides, and you just couldn't see it because of the angle you were looking at, or there was a player in your way, or whatever it may be, and you can see that in real time that it's obviously egregious and offsides. Then yes, that's why I think you know you should only play it in real time because that's what the offsides rule is. If you can see it in real time in a replay. Sure, call it back. See, so that's why I also go back, and I've said it a hundred times. You guys are going to think I'm a broken record. Take the tablet off the bench. Just like in the NFL or baseball, whatever, you have somebody up above that's going to buzz down based off of, of, of a Jumbotron replay or a TV replay that they saw, and they only have a matter of seconds to get that challenge in. When there's an offsides or even a goal that they're looking to challenge, these guys are watching three to five replays in slow-mo, fast-mo, regular-mo, whatever you want to call it, and they have so much time to decide whether they're going to challenge or not. There needs to be a clock at some point on, yeah, you can't challenge it. For example, football, if the receiver catches a ball but it was incomplete and they called it a catch, that team's running up to the line to do another play. In a hockey, you don't have that option. They're going to show the replay. Guys are going to celebrate. The lines are going to change. Everybody's going to get to the center, and then the puck's going to be dropped. That's way too much time to dictate whether you're going to make a challenge or not. I, I can't stand that aspect of the challenge whatsoever. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on that one. I, I don't. Um, uh, I, I'm concerned about the Bruins. Um, we got another point, but I'm really sick of having to say that on a consistent basis. Because I feel that if we play anything like this in the playoffs, guys, it's a first-round exit, hands down. Halak stood on his head as much as he could today, kept us in all the way to a shootout, which, thank God, there's no shootout in hockey or in the, or in the playoffs in hockey. But, Carter, I don't know about you. I just I don't have confidence in this team making a cup run if they continue to play as they are currently playing, which is well before the All-Star break. And that's that's why I'm not concerned is because they still have the all-star break to rest up, figure things out, you know, guys getting healthy, guys getting right. And that all-star break has played a huge part in so many teams that have won the Stanley Cup, like the St. Louis Blues. That's very true. Now, Kevin made a good point. The word egregious was only added to the conversation when in last year's playoff, with a player when a player was trying to get to the bench and backup goalie didn't open the gate. The rule never had egregious before that. I, yeah. Hey, Kevin, good point. Um, thanks for listening and sharing that. I, I didn't know that. Um, but I am kind of, even though it, I feel that no matter how you watch the replay, if it's offsides, it's offsides. I think it's offsides, but to Carter's point and Jack's point, if you got to slow it down that much to really see what happened, do you call it? I go back to a shot clock. There's got to be a timer on when you can challenge something. Um, Bruins got a big game against Columbus on Saturday. Hopefully they can rebound, start the new year out fresh. Um, 
Carter's a huge hockey expert, expert, sports expert. He knows a lot about soccer with the New England Revolution that I know nothing about. So what are they doing right now? Well, the Rev, the Revs have added, uh, I think it's about four new guys, or I should say two new guys and two guys that have played for the Revs in the past, one of which is Kellen Rowe, um, who played a huge part in, in, in all of the Revs' success all the way back to their last MLS Cup run, which was back in 2014. But they, they seem to be adding they, – they added two new designated players, uh, one a, a striker out of Poland who nobody knows about and a center back out of France who nobody really knows about. And that seems to be, for me, the issue with the Revs' long-term success. They don't it – seems, it seems like they don't want to invest the big money into, 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 into universally known guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic or a Sebastian Giovinco. It doesn't seem like they want to spend the big money on players that, that, that will make a difference. The last time they did that was 2014 with Jermaine Jones, and he, he pretty much carried that team all the way to the MLS Cup playoffs. So it's interesting to see what, with, with a coach like Bruce Arena, who's, whose only real success has been in Major League Soccer, and he's one of the greatest coaches in the history of Major League Soccer, what he can do with these guys that he might be seeing things in these players that the, that the revs are bringing in that, you know, the rest of the world isn't seeing. It's nice to see that Matt Turner, the goalkeeper has, has gotten a U.S. Uh, national team call up and we'll see if he even plays, but that's always nice to have representation in the national team. So I'm excited for, um, to have a full season under Bruce arena to see what he can do. And um, it, it'll be nice to have Kellen Roback as we, he, anyone who watches, Major League Soccer knows that that Kellen Rowe has that difference maker ability in the midfield. So let me ask you this. Would you say they don't like to spend money since I am very unfamiliar with the soccer aspect and terminology of of the sport itself? Is it kind of like a Patriots comparison to where they just refuse to pay people money to keep them and they kind of try and do the next man up scenario just to save the money? It's not it's not that kind of scenario. Uh, really it's just like I've never seen it's it's interesting because the Patriots fire the Patriots the the New England Revolution fired um, their sporting director who was bringing in all of these these players and, and bringing all these head coaches and that had no experience prior to Bruce Arena and it's interesting to see that that pattern still looks like it's going to continue with these signings that nobody really knows about um, with these, you know, that's coming coming from Poland and France and 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 Central and Southern and, and South America. We so it's it's nice to see that that the Revs are kind of expanding the way that they recruit their players and 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 how they look for them. But I don't I don't like the fact that you know there's there's almost no tape on these guys. There's no and you when you see when the press releases come out for these signings, the quality of the photos of these players are just so low that. It's concerning that no one's really looking at them. So we do have one question on here from Kevin watching live. Is there fighting in soccer? <laughs> uh, there isn't. Uh, if you get, if you put your hands on uh, someone's face, uh, that's an automatic red card. You can't, you can't punch. You can't, can't slap them. Um, can't, can't, can't get your hands in their face. Otherwise, that's an automatic red card. Even if so, it, it, not really, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of pushing and shoving. E- even if it's more um, of a mistake, is it one of those things that just doesn't change? If a hand goes into the face, that's it. 
I mean, if it's if it's in the run of play and it's obviously not intentional, like somebody's like trying to box somebody out and his his finger gets in his eye, that they're not going to call that a red card. But they do. There is, they call it. It's a video assist replay in soccer now. There's VAR. Um, so if the video assistant referee in soccer sees that it that it might have been intentional or endangers that player, um, they're going to stop the play, radio down to the referee, and he's going to give that player a red gotcha. card. We'll, uh, we'll start posting more stuff about soccer. That way we can make sure we hit all the major sports. I know we haven't really discussed much about it, but uh, if there's one thing that Carter is amazing at, it is definitely soccer, 110%. You played, you played through college, correct? Yep, I played Division I uh, as a goalkeeper at UMass Lowell. In my sophomore year, we were nationally ranked. We were third in the country, and then my junior and senior year, uh, we were nice. in the top that's 20. That's awesome, man. That, that's something to definitely hang your hat up on for sure. So any hockey or any soccer knowledge you guys want, questions, anything about the sport in general, you know who to go to. It's definitely Carter. Please avoid sending me anything that has to do with a soccer question because I will <laughs> immediately forward it over to Carter when I have trouble spelling soccer sometimes. So <laughs> not even going to go there. Uh, to wrap this thing up, uh, the Celtics are actually in Charlotte right now where I'm currently located. Uh, they're up by seven going into the fourth quarter. Um, I really like what they're doing this year. Um, I think they are a very strong team, but I do get concerned when they will have to face a team like Toronto or Milwaukee when it comes to the playoffs. I don't believe that we are physical enough and strong enough to be able to keep up with either one of those teams. Now, on Christmas Day, we dominated Toronto, but the thing that people don't realize, they had two of their starting players out. So that is a false win I mean, it counts as a W. It was in Toronto, though, if you want to take that into account. That is true, in Toronto. So I'll give it that. But when I look at the Bucks with the Greek Freak, and then I look at Toronto and just their big physical aspect of shutting people down, I don't think Jalen Brown, Tatum, and those guys can compete with them. I, I don't. I don't know how it's going to look at the end of the season. I don't know what it's going to look like going to the postseason where the South is going to be seated, but that, that injury concern with Gordon Hayward seems to be gone. It seems like, I mean, he's playing right now. He's doing well. He seems healthy. His passing's been phenomenal. His, his shooting's been great. And I think if the Celtics stay healthy, it's not, it's, it's just going to be a, a scenario of who can outlast two. I don't think, the physicality is going to really come into play too much. I think it can if the Celtics aren't smart about it. Because if you can, if you can draw those fouls and Milwaukee's forced to to play more tentatively, I think it's going to to play into the. We've Celtics seen favorite. the biggest thing, the biggest thing with the Bucks is if you get the Greek freak mad, if you get him frustrated and angry, he will draw fouls, he will draw technicals, and he will not produce in that game. We've watched it. That's why I wish that we had I, – I wish it could be the young Kevin Garnett matched up against a Greek freak because just how much Garnett would talk and get into people's faces, it would throw somebody like the Greek freak right off of his game completely. You want to talk about someone who can talk. That, uh, that, in, that just – I think of Paul Pierce. That's yeah. the truth. That, that guy's in sports in general. You look at Marshan and hockey um, – I really can't pinpoint anybody for the Pats because we just really don't play the game that way. I mean, think about Rodney there Harrison, maybe. Yep, good call. It, for those of you that have never fully been active in, in just sports in general, the amount of talking that goes on that you don't see in every game, it gets in their heads. 
It's a mind game. And if there's any mind tricks in the world that work, it's getting into somebody's head in a sporting event. Carter, you played goalie, correct? All right. How many times did you get scored on or somebody almost scored on you? No, no one's one's scored on ever, so. <laughs> Guys, Carter played D1 in mass, shut him out every game. Every game. That's why they were ranked third in the nation. They never got scored on. They lost some games negative one to zero, but they never got scored on. But you know what I'm saying? You probably got it more than anybody, especially in soccer where a lot of talking goes on. Oh, yeah. As a goalkeeper, you hands down endure the most talking because you're you're standing right next to the fans for, for 90 minutes. For all ninety minutes of the game, you're you're standing right there, and you just I didn't even think of the fan base aspect. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's just funny. Sometimes you just gotta it's it you you have to just laugh at how clever some of these fans can be, and and how much research they do on you. So it's I I personally, you know, going through college never let it get to me because sometimes I just had to sit back and admire it. but it can, especially when you're losing, it can uh, frustrate you a little bit. But the second, you know, the ball comes your way, you don't really Kobe Bryant anything. said it best. They asked him one time, how's it feel to go into an arena, have 35, 40,000 people booing you? And he said, I love it. And they said, why? He goes, because I know every eye is on me right now. And he goes, that's what I want. So some of these guys, like you take Tom Brady, the man doesn't pay any attention to anything that's going on in the crowd. He's just that mentally strong to drain it out. But you, take, you can take other athletes and you can just see it get to them over and over. That's like when somebody used to chirp at Marshan. He used to get into a fight, lick people, stick his finger in their mouth. He could not control himself. Granted, it never really threw Marshan off of his game. But you could tell it was definitely in his head and did become an issue at times. Absolutely. But we, uh, we'll wrap it up here, guys. As always, this is episode five, so we're just getting rolling. We started the live feed on Facebook with you guys. The recording aspect will be on Spotify and iTunes by the end of the night. Uh, continue to share, like, follow. Um, thank you guys for being live on here. Um, Carter, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What is your prediction right. for Saturday night's game against the Tennessee Titans in Foxborough? Looking for a score Absolutely. prediction? I am going to go uh 17-13. Ooh, okay. Pats. I'm doing I'm doing uh 24-17 pats. So we both feel the pats will win. We both got it as a tight game. Um we want to wish all of you guys a happy new year. Please Absolutely. enjoy it with your family and friends. Uh you guys have been amazing. Me and Carter get to roll into the new year with uh this new page new fans and uh wouldn't be doing this without you guys so carter i hope you have a good new year with the family as well bud and uh guys it's off the post boston sports all sports all boston all the time talk to you guys and talk to you guys next year talk to you next year carter see ya